Well, since we are talking cricket, it's probably a good time uh, to uh, to go to this man. He is a seven cricket commentator and SEN host, Trent Copeland. Trent, welcome to the run home for your Wednesday Arvo, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mate, Trent. How, <laughs> how was that? Uh, mate? <laughs> We're laughing. I just said hello. You're still laughing at me. Mate. I'm just saying hello. Oh, mate. You are a you're you're a friendly guy, Boz. Now, mm. Trent, uh, let's talk first <laughs> off uh, about you were over in Perth for the uh, for the test as part of Seven's coverage over there, mate. Um, Brooksy Brooksy's talking. You know, it's it's a lot of logistics going over there. Crowd numbers were disappointing. How was it actually on the ground over there? Was the atmosphere good, or did it, did it feel a bit flat in the uh, stadium there at Optus? It actually felt really good, and I've got to say, from a cricket tragic's perspective. The, the week itself, despite, you know, the crowds maybe not being as good as I would have liked, the week had, you know, the test storylines were as good as I've seen around a start to a summer for a while. You know, the, the leap was David Warner. You know, should he, should he not? Will he play? Will he do well? Mitch Johnson's article, there was talking points everywhere. Then day one, we get 100 from David Warner. And then... Through the middle of it, we've got talking points everywhere with the actual pitch itself offering plenty of bounce. And and then towards the end, we had the storyline on when's Gaz's 500th wicket going to come, along with the pitch doing absolutely everything, and then Australia winning. So, I mean, I've got to say, Perth cop it about the crowds, and, and look, that has to improve. But from a cricket standpoint and being able to be there and broadcast it, feel the atmosphere... It was pretty bloody good, if I'm being honest. And Trent, let's we'll, we'll leave you and and the others here to talk about you know the the whys and wherefores about Perth and and so forth. I'm going to talk about the cricket. How does Pakistan <laughs> get back into this series? Uh, great question, mate. Uh, the answer is they need their best players to stand up. And unfortunately, you know, leading into this first test, I was expecting Shaheen Shah, Freedy, and Babar Azam to be. And probably Sean Massoud, even the captain uh, on the back of a double hundred in the Prime Minister's eleven, to really put their best foot forward and challenge Australia at different times. And Shaheen bowled okay. Baba showed flashes. Massoud did not. And it was left to a few debutants, really, with the ball to actually have a crack and make some inroads. And, yeah, look, the answer, Bozza, is... They've got to aim up. They've got to have their best players, like Australia, you know, like any other team and like in any other sport. You rely on your best players to succeed at the top level, and unfortunately, they didn't do that. So Boxing Day is their next next chance. Mate, just on uh, one of Australia's best players, he's sort of the quiet legend, Nathan Lyon. You know, you said he racked up his 500th wicket. Now, he also took a uh, took a wicket with his very first ball in test cricket in a test that you were in. You were playing in that game. Mate, mm. you've, you've played a lot of cricket with him over the years. You, you've uh, been around him a lot. Did you guys – was that something you you saw then, that he, he was gonna a guy who was destined to become one of our, our all-time greats? Or was he just sort of sneak was, – was a bit like the rest of us where he just snuck up on us of how good he was and he's probably a bit, been a bit underappreciated over the journey? Oh, look, you know, if if I came on this radio station this afternoon to really just have a good look in the mirror, um, you've really done it for me. You know, Gaz 500 wickets, the legend, and you really didn't go on any further. Uh, you're well done. That's not what um, I was getting at, mate. You're the one calling us. So uh, you're my favourite at this point. 
No, joking. Um, look, I've got to say, the, the lead-up to the Test match, he, he had come off a Zimbabwe and South Africa A-series, a couple of first-class games, and really no one knew what they were, were in for. But I can tell you now, the likes of Mike Hussey, Michael Clark, and Ricky Ponting came out of net sessions in the lead-up and the practice match when we got in Sri Lanka and they were unanimous in their thought that he has to play. There was no doubt at that point. They were just being challenged far too often. It was really reliable. It was methodical. And the only real thing that well, I didn't anticipate changing so quickly was how quick he'd lose his hair. That, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> and Trent, let's go on to the Big Bash tonight. We've got the Perth Scorchers against the Hobart Hurricanes and the Match will start over here at 7.15 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Talk us about this game. Oh, well, I mean, it's two star-studded lineups, and the Scorchers in particular, they're one of the best teams in the comp. They always are. They find ways to win when they shouldn't. And, I mean, they're going for back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. It's ridiculous um, at this point. So, look, they've got stars everywhere. Jai Richardson is one that I love watching play. I'm hoping that he's going to be at the forefront for the Scorchers. But, um, look, uh, I can't skate around the truth. I think the Scorchers are going to be too good, but I think it, it's two very good teams going to work. And, yeah, I love that the Big Bash is back after the little test hiatus for a week. Mate, let's talk about our Sydney teams. Uh, now, Sixers obviously off to a flyer, two from two. Uh, on the, the other end of that equation um, is uh, is the Thunder, who... Uh, well, they've looked good in patches in both games, but uh, not been able to get it done. One highlight, though, Cam Bancroft uh, looked good for the Thunder. What, what are your thoughts on his form at the moment? And do you think when it comes down to the West Indies test that uh, BBL form counts for anything when we're looking for a new opener in the test arena? Oh, let me make one thing clear. Whilst we're talking about Bancroft in a T20 for the Thunder, he's also turned out thousands of runs for WA and in county cricket for the last couple of years, as well as the early season in the Sheffield Shield. So, look, yes is the answer. And I think we're going to see Cameron Bancroft playing for Australia um, in the short term. So, uh, I, I, and I speak to that as a guy who bowled against him a lot during that period. He's one of the most difficult to get out, knows his game intricately. And I'm not surprised, to be honest, that he's successful uh, over a prolonged period. So, look, I think he and the guys like Matty Renshaw has scored a big 100 in the PM's 11. You're going to see that. Um, and how the Thunder replace Cameron Bancroft is probably the issue because he's held them up in these two games. Um, I thought they did well to get over 200 last night. And then it was the Matty Short and, and Darcy Short show and they couldn't stop it. Yeah, what were your thoughts on that? It seemed like Adelaide got off to a flyer and then the, the, it, it was competitive towards the end. But I like, do you think that maybe then this is some, uh, an opinion I've heard a few times that maybe the Thunder just tighten up a little in those uh, sort of death situations of a game? Closing out. Yeah, maybe. I, I find that really a fickle environment in T20 cricket. It's it's not, you know, if it was a choke that was regularly happening in test cricket, I'd say there's a trend there and an alarming one. But mm. personnel changes so often. I, I mean, I'm good mates with a lot of these guys. The, the one that I, I couldn't help but give stick to last night, Liam Hatcher, about to bowl the first ball of the innings, <laughs> yes. runs in. As he's about to let it go, trips or, or almost trips, 
gets the ball stuck in his pocket and it rolls down the wicket. I said to him, at the time, this game is over. You've cost your team the game. It's, it's one of those things that is almost like you could see what was coming. Oh, what but, a classic. What yeah, a they did. They I'm didn't... With, but I'm with Trent on that one in terms of, the, you know, the BBL in terms of not so much being a choke. It's, it's more like a penalty shootout, if you want to say, like, mm. football-wise, than, yes. than something like, you know, okay, over a whole sort of season, they're the longer form. But it can go either way because those little things can make – such a big difference in those in those moments where it can just go either way. That's what that's one of the reasons, in my opinion, what makes it so exciting, especially to the younger generation. Yeah. Hey, just on that first ball, uh, Liam Hatchard almost bowled. Um, the the I was listening to the coverage on uh, on SEN, and they were saying that that they may the the batter may have been entitled to to have a hit at that. What what are your thoughts on that? And do you know the actual rule around when the the umpire calls a dead ball in that circumstance? Uh, I think you need to enter your bowling stride. So the point the ball came out, and, you know, I could be wrong here, but my take on this over many years as a bowler and having happened a few times was that when it came out, it was on the pocket in the downswing with his arm mm-hmm. as opposed to having got up into the delivery stride and even his back foot having landed in that process. But I tell you what I'm really disappointed in is that Matt Short didn't try and slog it out of the park anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whether he was allowed to or not, I want him hitting that as far as he possibly can. Just a bit of theatre, if nothing else. Well, exactly right. Now, <laughs> on to the, uh, on to the uh, talking about uh, Big Bash and so forth, on to the IPL, Trent. Um, we saw the, the figures that came out last night in terms of our Australians. But can you explain to the non-cricketing tragics, so the ones who like cricket but not tragics, so what does that mean? So uh, for Mitchell Stark, $4.3 million, that, that was the, the price. Is that over the term of his contract? How does that actually work? Yeah, it's actually just for, for this year. There you go. Uh, oh, wow. It's, there you go. It's not over a huge course of uh, time either. So, yeah, you're talking a, a couple of months, and I think it's a 19-game season. Um, yeah, we're looking at uh, what it means is some very rich boys that I sent a message saying, well, it looks like dinner's on you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you go, guys. You're yeah, saying I mean, it could be over in be, terms of the contract. Yeah, and to be fair, it's, uh, it's I mean, it's been there shout for a while, let's be honest. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw that the Starks recently just bought a new house, didn't they? So a nice big, uh, big property. So maybe that'll help with, you know, there is a cost of living crisis on. So maybe that'll just help uh, help things around Christmas. And, when, and, and Trent, when they say these players have gone to the draft, so obviously they're out of contract from their previous teams, correct? Is that right? Yeah, this was a mini auction, Bozzer. Right. So it, it's essentially... There's a, a, a bonanza auction of everyone coming. Uh, but this year, teams are allowed to retain uh, a large portion, of, you know, almost everyone. And they, this was if you decided to trade away players to give yourself cap room, knowing the draft pool that, you know, were free agents and that had entered. Gotcha. That was what last night was. So, so there is salary. And when you say to allow cap, like cap room, that, so there is salary caps for each side, correct? Yes, exactly okay. right. So think of it as like an NFL free agency yes, off-season. Gotcha. Uh, they, they have a hard cut where each team enters a certain free agency period, which in this case was a draft or an auction. Mm-hmm. So some teams came in with very little and they made maybe two domestic signings. Some teams came in, you know, like the Kolkata Knight Riders who got Starkey mm-hmm. with a big purse and they wanted some big fish to make a difference to their entire team output. Gotcha. Excellent. And is that true as well that the... 
each individual cricket associations, depending on which country you come from, say, for example, in this situation, Cricket Australia, do you get a percentage of that as well? I believe so, mate. It's, That's great. it's very different across the world, but yes, they're, you know, eff- effectively, it's for talent pooling. You're, mm. you're creating. Yeah, and, correct. And yeah, you're developing the players. Yep. To, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Mate, what do you make of the fact that uh, Big Josh Hazelwood went uh, went un, uh, un, unbid on? Oh, look, it's a very fickle thing, right? So this sort of stuff is a lot of the time emotion-based. Owners will be in the backgrounds of bidding. Um, they'll have favourites. Sometimes it comes down to international availability. So largely the IPL is a clean pocket for international cricket given mm. the stranglehold that india have but josh hazelwood for example with um, the expectation of a new arrival potentially in the family around that time um, there's pl- other players that didn't go drafted because of circumstances mm. essentially so you know uh, he's been the number one t20 bowler in the world at times as recently as this year mm. so i don't think it's a nod to uh, displeasure with him as a bowler more personal circumstance and availability for the business end of the tournament. Yeah, there you go. yeah, fair enough. Now, mate, you do love your NFL. Um, I, I take it you've been following this season uh, pretty closely. Uh, the Niners looking like Super Bowl favourites heading into Christmas. Can you see anyone taking their spot at this stage? Well, given that I'm a Niners fan, no. <laughs> I don't even want to entertain that thought. Uh, uh, it's the Brock Purdy and uh, Christian McCaffrey show for me, mate, but Look, I'm interested in a few teams, if I'm being honest. The Dallas Cowboys, I think, at their best, mm. can can beat anyone um, and have an elite defense. But there's a couple of teams that I thought were on a surge and would be really hard to beat in Baltimore and Philly that just haven't looked good the last couple of weeks. So, look, I'm excited for the 49ers prospects. Will I be let down yet again? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, how many games is there left to go to the playoffs? How many regular season games yes. is that? Sorry, mate. Yeah, how many regular there's, season games into the playoffs? Two or three? Uh, there's probably two more left after oh, okay. this week's finished. Yeah. 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 Now, in the MVP race, you, you did say McCaffrey. You did say Purdy. Who, who, who do you think is going to – who is your MVP out of the two of them, mate? Well, it's interesting because I think our best player is Christian McCaffrey. Mm. But our most important player is Brock Purdy. Okay. So, uh, what do you – by the – terms of the actual award most valuable player it's very hard to make the distinction Brock Hurdy's come out and said that he thinks McCaffrey should be the most valuable player Um, but very rarely is anyone but a quarterback the MVP because it is the hardest position in world sport to play so I I just I think it's going to be Brock Hurdy but my personal opinion is we don't win these games without Christian McCaffrey Mm. Yeah, it's the hardest position in world sports. See, Boz, Boz was saying that's goalkeeper in a Premier League side. So, <laughs> no personal bias at all. Uh, no, Mate, I'd, I'd say goal scorer. It's much harder to write with your feet than it is your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mate, before we let you go, um, obviously Boxing Day test coming up. Where we'll all be tuning in to see your coverage uh, on Channel Seven, mate. Um, but what yes. do you got going on for Christmas? Oh, I can't wait this year. I'm actually, uh, my family and I, my wife, Kim, and our kids, we're going back to Bathurst, where I'm from. Beautiful. See the oh. family. We don't often get the luxury of that when I've been playing in the past. So that's going to be brilliant. And then the other thing is, yeah, just 
obviously getting to spend a chunk of the the big day, Christmas day with my wife and her family in Sydney. And then, yeah, fly out Christmas night down to Boxing Day. So it's all happening at this time of year. Mm, Mate, well, enjoy the break. Thanks for joining us uh, on the run home. And uh, we'll catch you uh, probably in the new year. And uh, listeners can catch Copes on the Channel 7 coverage throughout the summer of cricket.